It's time for JT the Brick. How we doing? Baby, I'm great. JT, how are you doing? What do we want to talk about with the Raiders? So I want to see an interception. I want to see some sacks. Raiders come with four. Here comes the fifth rusher. And he's sacked! Deshaun Bauer had him around the waist. And the Raiders defense holds on fourth down. And then your boy JT got it right. JT the Brick. Always, always great to be with the Brick. I don't spend a lot of time on teams that don't make the playoffs. We talk about what matters in championships and winning here. It's Big Boy Radio. That is the best atmosphere in a preseason game that I've ever been a part of. And that's easy to say that, clearly. Get your ass out here and get ready. Here we go. And now... Here's JT the Brick. Welcome back, everybody. Hour number two on Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. and on the global Raiders mobile app. Thanks for listening to the show, and thanks to everyone who showed up at Resorts World Doghouse Saloon for Monday night football last night. Great crowd, drink specials, food specials, raffle tickets. Uh, We raffled off a Derek Carr jersey, a Las Vegas Aces World Championship jersey, which was really nice. Bud Light, beer towers, just so many cool things, and fans love it there. The sports book's right there. So as you're watching the game, you can get up and go right to the sports book and place a bet. You can download the Resorts World mobile app and put money on it and bet that way here in town, which is fantastic. And, you know, during halftime of the game, you get up and you walk around Resorts World. You do a lap and you're blown away by the food that they have, the restaurants, the nightclub, Zook, Red Tail, everything they do. Trey and his entire team over there welcomed us for our first show last night. Tremendous success. And we look forward to you going out to Resorts World. Free parking right off the garage. You come out of the elevator, and there it is, Doghouse Saloon, right next to the theater where Carrie Underwood is there. And Luke Bryan and all the great shows that they have. So a lot of fun last night at Resorts World. There was a doubleheader. A big topic was about who liked the doubleheader or not. Doubleheader was weird. Doubleheader was really bizarre, staggering those two games back-to-back, which I didn't understand as ESPN next year has got three more doubleheaders, and they got to find out if they're going to stagger it close to so they have two games going on almost at once, or they're going to play it back-to-back like they did in the old days, which I think was a much better format. Jason Horowitz, kind enough to join us, the voice of the Silver and Black, And great job again on the call, and no one better to talk to. You called every play, and I cannot believe what happened in the second half. Uh, We just lost him. We'll get him back here again as Jason Horowitz is about to join us. Always nice when you do a preview. So we'll get him back here in the phone ghost and keep going. Hour number two of the show brought to you by Resorts World. But as I said, uh, it was a tale of two halves. The first half was really good. And the Raiders didn't have to play at that level to win the game. In the second half, they just couldn't have three and out, three and out, three and out. They had to have opportunities to move the ball, to move the ball and run the ball. And it's been a struggle with all the running backs that were brought into this team to run it and run it consistently. And it seems to be Josh Jacobs' opportunity to run the ball. When will we see more depth in the running game to turn it around again? We'll find out how that happens. 702. 365-9200 as we enter our number two of the show. Also, Patrick Graham spoke today. The defensive coordinator will play a portion of that. And then we have Paul Gutierrez from ESPN. He's scheduled to join us at the bottom of the hour as a couple individuals spoke today, and he was there asking questions like he always does. So we bring in Jason Horowitz here, the voice of the Raiders. And, man, I don't think you'll ever call a game the rest of your life, I hope. That has a tale of two halves like that one. 
How did you digest the game as you headed home? Well, two things. One, uh, if we do call another game like that, I would like to think that the outcome would be better. Yeah, uh, for, I hope so. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then it would be like, what an amazing win. What a, I, honestly, you, you asked me when I first got hired if I grew up a Raiders fan, and we talked about the Bo Jackson thing, and it's kind of taken a story, and, and Bo's in the booth with us, the starting lineup figure. and, and I, So my point in bringing that up is I didn't grow up a Raiders fan. And even with saying that, I was pretty depressed on Sunday because <laughs> um, I was digesting that uh, the same way that, that everyone else listening to that broadcast was. And that, that's a tough one. Um, that's a very difficult loss to swallow for multiple reasons. But, but number one is obviously that you're setting up for a Daniel Carlson game-winning field goal. He can make from 56. He has made 28 in a row. He has hit so many from 50 in his career, I think including the 55-yarder and the halftime. He's now 15 of 18. Like, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a great chance to win. Mm-hmm. So you're going from that in overtime. But then the build-up to that, the amount of things that had to go wrong to lose, the, 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 the touchdown with nothing on the clock, they still need a two-point conversion. The two-point conversion before that, that CBS put a clock on that lasted 20 seconds. <laughs> I mean, it's just all of those things, plus you throw in the fact that the Raiders' defense actually got two fourth-down stops. Holy cow, the roller coaster of emotions, JT. Yeah. Uh, that, that old-fashioned Sunday night went down pretty pretty hard. Yeah, I, I would assume it did. I wanted you to hear this play-by-play call with you and Lincoln Kennedy. Here's how that play sounded. Five seconds to go. Fourth and goal from the three. Raiders 23, Cardinals 15. Kyler Murray's going to keep this ball, Jason. Snap, backs up, still backing up. Now takes up off the middle, points the football. Touchdown, Arizona, with no time on the clock. I told you he's going to keep that ball. Lincoln called the play. You yeah, called the did. actual play. Everybody in the building knew he was going to run. Everybody. So do you have a spy on him? I, I think the game was lost in the second half because Perryman wasn't available. If Perryman plays there, there is a fourth down along the way. There is a spy on him because he doesn't have to drop into coverage. And Perryman is reading Kyler Murray and not chasing him in the backfield, just waiting for him at the line of scrimmage. Is that a fair analysis? I, I think so. I, I think that's fair. But, but why... I, can I ask why? And Divine Diablo played a really good game. You know, he, he was all over the field. We called his name with tackles left and right. And part of that is because they were on the field for 55 or whatever that number was, second half and overtime plays. But I thought he played a pretty good game. Why, why can't it be that he or, or Jayon Brown was the one um, who could have been that kid? You know, why does it have to be just because Perryman was out? And so, I, you know, the, the, part, the interesting part about it, JT, is that, yes, Lincoln was right that he was going to keep the football. But Lincoln agreed with me that it wasn't a designed run. Like, that was set to be a pass. Mm-hmm. Um, but he did wait an extra two seconds to make sure that all the receivers had cleared out of the way so that everything by the goal line was gone. So, I, look, I, there's a lot of things you can go back to Sunday and say, this should have been done differently, this should have been done differently. Heck, I, you know, all, all of those things. Um, and yet, just like in week one, JT, they had a chance to win. They had the ball in overtime on the, on the, on the Cardinals' side of the, they're inside of the Cardinals' 40 um, and didn't. 
So that's I think that all of those things are certainly extremely frustrating. Jason Horowitz, the voice of the Raiders. So here's my other issue before we move on to the Titans coming up is the ability for Derek to change the play because there were times with an empty backfield with a lead that I didn't understand. You know, getting away from the running game at times. Look, I don't have a problem getting away from the running game with Devontae, Renfro, and Waller, ever. Whatever down and distance is in score because I'm really confident. And sometimes defenses, when the writers have the lead, are going to sit on the run and try to stop the run and, st- uh, and, and stack the box. I get that. When you look back at the tape and Derek's decisions in the second half of the game, where were the easy routes, the easy four-yard ins, four-yard outs, that could have picked up another first down. We're only talking about one more first down at the, yeah. in the middle part of the third quarter to the fourth quarter, and the game's over. Yeah. Um, I, there's a play that I've seen a couple people show this week. Uh, do you remember the – was it a first down play or a second down play uh, where Derek Carr gets his hand, he gets his hand hit? And it looked like it could have been a fumble, but it was definitely an incomplete pass. Um, there was a rush up the middle, and, I, and I'm blanking on what part of the drive it was, but the Raiders were on their own 10 or 11-yard yeah. line. It might have been. JT, you know what? It might have been after the fourth and one stop on the 11-yard line. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time they got a fourth down stop. It might have been that, that very next play, um, where, where they're set up for a pass, and there's a rush right up the middle, and, and his arm gets hit as he's throwing. And if you look at where he's throwing – and down the field, um, Devontae Adams, I believe, is going to be the indented receiver. It's a, maybe a seven- or eight-yard slant pass, and it's wide open, and it's going to go for a lot of yards. And so to answer your question, I think it's just a couple of things like that. They had some of those. And Derek, a few times in the second half, you know, we had phenomenal audio uh, of being able to listen in to him and his cadence and mm-hmm. things like that. And, there were some that were audibles, and there were some that he's just calling out the mic and, and who, you know, pointing at different linebackers, and you can hear all of it, which is great. Um, but there were some times when he was in under center and then backed out of it and lined up in the shotgun, and there were still eight or nine seconds on the play clock. And so I don't know if that was by design or that was just him audibling completely on his own. But, but, you know, they did make some changes. It just didn't work. Jason Horowitz joins us as we get ready for the Tennessee Titans in Nashville. So as we look at the Titans getting blown out, they lost to the Giants on the Saquon Barkley two-point conversion, which was an amazing individual play. Dayball went for it because he wanted to win the game, didn't want to play for overtime. And then they got blown out in Buffalo, and I mean they got annihilated, and they benched the quarterback. And they didn't bench him because he was terrible. They benched him because... The game was so out of reach, they didn't want to further have an opportunity to injure him ahead of the Raider game. So after seeing the game last night, knowing that the Raiders played really well in the first half against Arizona, give me an idea of what you want to see in this upcoming game in Nashville on Sunday. So I think you're going to get a ton of Derrick Henry. Um, You know, he had 13 carries last night, 25 yards, to your point. The game wasn't out of reach at halftime. It was only 17-7. But to your point, uh, early in the third, it, it was evident that that ball game was over. Um, I think the Stephon Diggs, what was it, his third touchdown made it 34-7, something like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you could tell the game's over at that point. I, I say that knowing what we just witnessed at home. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think from Mike Vrabel's comments today is that it's not about reinventing. It's about getting back to what we are used to doing, which – that is a lot of running the football. Now, I will say they've got some offensive line injuries, and it didn't get better last night. Taylor Lewan in the first possession, their Pro Bowl left tackle, who's been hurt the last couple of years, mm-hmm. 
he left the field um, and was carted to the locker room. I don't know if I, I haven't seen an update today. I'm not sure if there is one. They were already missing another part of their offensive line. Um, they are banged up in the secondary. Uh, Christian Fulton did not play last night. So they've got their own Bud Dupree left. Harold Landry, their Pro Bowl uh, edge rusher, is out for the year with a torn ACL that he suffered right before the start of the season. So, like, they got a whole bunch of their own stuff going on. But I would expect to see a whole bunch of Derrick Henry. They better be able to tackle well. And then the offense, look, the Titans' defense for the last six quarters has been gashed. You know, you, you, I think you'd hope to see the Raiders be able to take advantage of that. Yeah, Jason, what, what's interesting about the start of this year, and it's been very controversial because of what's playing out now. Tannehill's been benched. That's Derek's next yeah. opponent. And then Kansas City blew out Arizona, blew him out. And the Raiders yeah. are blowing him out, and there was an unbelievable comeback. And then we have the Justin Herbert victory in game one where Khalil Mack had three sacks. Everything that yeah. could go wrong has gone wrong, and that won't last forever. There'll be games where the Raiders are going to catch a break. The Raiders are going to make a play. There's going to be a tip ball. There's going to be an interception that's going to end the game, and the Raiders will catch a break. You know, but you've been involved in sports for a long time. When you look at this now, where a team just needs something good to happen, the fans need to believe that, you know, there's light at the end of the tunnel here, and it's only going to start with a win, and both of these teams are on tremendous pressure to win a game. They got to win. Oh, I, look, 0-3 teams have made the playoffs before, but we talked about this on Sunday. It's been four years since an 0-2 team made the playoffs. So to go 0-3 and then make the playoffs and do something well is even the, – the fact that three of the teams that were in the AFC playoffs last year, um, including the AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals, are all 0-2 – and, oh, by the way, expectations were high for all three, Bengals, Titans, and Raiders. Is, um, it's fairly surprising. It's also, you could just say, it's barely NFL because it happens every year. People don't get what you expect. Um, but there's no doubt that in terms of biggest games with the most pressure here in week three, if you look around the league, it's this one. Yeah, um, I agree. And so to, your, to your point, JT, about about you know getting the, you know things to bounce your way it was 20 to nothing they did get a fourth down stop in overtime Deron Har- Marquise Brown didn't have to drop the ball Deron Harmon made a tremendous hit and it jarred it loose you would say that hey that was a bounce that went your way that was a great play and a bounce that went your way and then you just lost the other bounce so I, look, there is a lot of reason to believe that the Raiders are still a really good football team who can make the playoffs and make the run. There's a lot to like here. Um, but as Josh McDaniel said over the, on Sunday, they have to play four quarters. They did not play the first half well against the Chargers. They did not play the second half well against the Cardinals. That has to change, and it has to change now. Jason Horowitz, voice of the Raiders, as we wrap it up. we got to get something out of Chandler Jones, too. I think Chandler Jones is a guy that can't be stood up at the line of scrimmage, can't be just waiting or dropping back into coverage. He's got to bend and come around the edge. And look, we didn't see him in the preseason. And again, I'm not going to say that that's a mistake or not. Patrick Graham and Josh McDaniels know a lot more about this than I do. But he's got to get his cardio and his ability to dominate a game, as you know, and you'll check in your research, he had five five sacks against the Titans organization 
in a game. He's had big games where he's yes, exploded right. onto the scene, and yeah. I'm hoping he has one of those games. I'm looking for five. I'm looking for one and a half sacks to kind of take the pressure off of Max, who's like he's getting shot out of a cannon, Max, every play, and they're holding him, and there's two guys there, and there's a chipping, chipping tight end or a running back there. I mean, Max goes back to the huddle on every play. Can you imagine what they felt like, that defense being on the field so long? You were calling Kyler Murray's plays when you and Lincoln yeah. were looking down seeing the defense there. There's only so many plays they have in those legs. You you were in the booth with us, the David Hunt broadcast booth for some of it. I'm not, mm-hmm. I didn't look back to see exactly what time you left to go down and get ready for the postgame yeah. show. Um, so I'm not sure if you saw or were listening with us um, in between the end of the fourth quarter and overtime. But remember, the defense had just given up what it was a 17-play, 4-minute, 45-second, end-of-the-game drive and the two-point conversion. Those guys were sitting on the bench at the coin toss. Those guys were still sitting on the bench when the kickoff unit went out there to kick it away to Arizona. And, 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 and that wasn't just Chandler Jones. I mean, there was like, I'd say of the 11 guys who went back out there for the first play on defense, seven of them were sitting on the bench during the kickoff because they were exhausted. I, I think CBS put the graphic up in overtime. By the time Derek Carr touched the football uh, in overtime, the offense had not run a play in 41 minutes of real time. That's insane. Mm-hmm. And, and yet that happened. So to your point, the defense was out there that whole time. Um, they are down some guys between Merrig and Averett and Denzel Perriman and then Bilal Nichols left in the second half with an injury. So there's got to get him back, all of that stuff. So there's a ton there. But to your point about Chandler Jones, one of the reasons there was so much excitement coming into this season was the emphasis on changing the defense. Max Crosby has been everything you could have asked him to be coming off of last year and the contract extension. He has made so many plays. Chandler Jones, every year that he has been healthy, since his rookie season, has had double-digit sacks every single year. Um, the only two years he hasn't since his rookie season, he only played 10 games in 2014, and he only played four games in 2020. Every other year, double-digit sacks. Well, so far in two games, he doesn't have a sack, and he's only got five tackles and one of them for loss. So will, that's got to change yes. that if they're gonna if they're going to be able to get off the field. I will see you in Nashville, a rare JT road trip. I used to make all of them. Uh, We're taking the show, the pregame on the road. I'll see you Saturday on Broadway, Sunday in the booth. Let's get one here so the Denver Bronco game feels like it's back to 500 and everything's back on track. Yes, yes. And how big would that make Monday night in Kansas City? Oh, boy, would that be fun. It would be Uh, huge. It'll be fun either way, but. Uh, I will see you on Saturday, my friend. Safe travels. There he is, everybody. Jason Horowitz. Nice to have him on Tuesdays as we used to have Tom Flores on. And Coach, we're going to have on randomly. Coach is healing. Coach is getting healthy. Coach is doing everything. So we always check in with Coach. We have Paul Gutierrez, Jason Horowitz, uh, Bill Williamson on Wednesdays. All of our insiders. I got the grid here. Where is it? Yeah, let's look at uh, what I think are the best of the best. We have unbelievable Raider insiders who join us here. So Mondays we have Harry Ruiz, we have Mark Anderson, we have an alumni. Tuesdays we have Paul Gutierrez, Levi Edwards, Jason Horowitz, Jeff Sherman from the Westgate. Wednesdays, Bill Williamson, tomorrow Steve Wisniewski, Vinny Bonsignor. Thursdays, Vince Sapienza or Kevin Bollinger from Fox 5, Lee Sterling. And then on Fridays we have a rotation of Vic Tafer from The Athletic and Chris Matthews from 8 News Now. Way to go. 
that that's what we do all year. Kind of takes the heat off of us. We know when they're going to come on. They want to come on. We are thrilled to have them here as our insiders, and that's a lot of fun. So Patrick Graham, we have that ready to go. He spoke to the media. We'll play a portion of it. This was earlier today at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. Obviously, uh, you guys were on the field for a lot of plays in the second half on Sunday. How much do you think maybe that played a role in, in the Cardinals kind of finding some success down the stretch? The reason why they found success is their, their players performed. Uh, they did a good job. Guys made plays for those uh, for them. So, I mean, you know, again, whether we're out there for whatever many plays, it doesn't really matter. We all have a job to do. So, I, you know, it always comes down to performance, and they did a good job, made plays when they needed it, and they won the game. Patrick, uh, Chandler Jones, um, you know, uh, it, it, it seemed like we're talking to Josh McDaniels. He talked about how he was asked to rush a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, it probably was take some unselfishness to do that because you, your numbers might not reflect what yeah. you're out there doing. Was there, was that a plan to kind of have him rush the way that he did? Well, I mean, again, I can't speak for Josh, but just talk about um, w- w- the plan. When you're dealing with someone like Murray, I mean, you can't rush him the same way you're going to rush everybody else. I, I don't think that's a, a recipe for, you know, success in my opinion. So. Uh, what we do is we try to fit the game plan for the opponent. And, you know, I thought Chan had some great rushes during the game, you know, in terms of, you know, keeping them in the pocket, the unselfishness, like you said, in terms of, you know, forcing it to other guys. And we made some plays in there in the pocket. And, you know, fortunately they made a few more plays than we made, and that's why they won the game. But you, you have to change the plan based on the quarterback. Each quarterback is different, just like this week. With Tennessee, it's going to be different. You know, I mean, you got another mobile quarterback back there, and we're going to have to figure out the best plan to take care of him as well. Patrick, when you got a guy like Luke Masterson that played so well in the preseason, do you do you have to create ways to get him more reps? Well, the thing that we do again, we look at the game plan and what we think is going to be best, and. I think Luke's doing it again. I can't speak for Tom in terms of the special teams part of it, but I know Luke is preparing during the week and Luke is working hard to improve and get the concepts of the defense. And, you know, he performed well in the in the preseason. And when his opportunity comes up, the one thing I could bank on, he'll be ready. He'll be ready. I mean, he's a student of the game. He studies hard um, in practice. He's working hard. And when his time is up, when his time comes, he'll, he'll be ready to rock and roll. Kind of the same along the same lines with the Deshaun Bauer um, mm-hmm. played well in the preseason. Yes, sir. And then also Malcolm Coons as well. Same thing. I mean, the guys have we have you know fifty three man roster, and you know it's real limited how many players you have out there. It's not like college, you know. And guys have to be ready when their name is called. And those guys work hard every day. They work hard. They study hard. They're young players that are continuing to grow. And when their opportunity comes up, I'm sure they'll be ready. Throughout the first two weeks of the season, what have you seen from Jayon Brown that you liked, and what element do you believe he adds to this defense? The versatility. You got a linebacker who can cover. You got a linebacker who could blitz. You got a linebacker who could also serve as a signal caller in terms of a communicator out there on the field. And his veteran leadership, both on the field and off the field, are two things that really stand out right there for me. So for me, he's done everything we've asked him to do. You know, he's been physical in the run game. He's been able to cover guys when we asked him to. So a lot of good things from Jayon right now. On the back end of that, you're mm-hmm. going up against a pretty popular running back, but uh, you guys have done pretty well against uh, stopping the run. Mm-hmm. How optimistic are you with your prior success going into Derrick Henry? Well, 
I've never gone against uh, Henry before, so this is interesting. I, I've admired from afar because as a defensive coach, you know, there's not too many things we like about offense, but when you see a guy that can run the ball and the way he runs the ball and the physicality, you know, I wish he would have switched over to defensive end or linebacker at some point. But, um, but I'm very ex – I'm excited about the challenge. You know, you hear so much about him throughout the league and over the years and really haven't had a chance to face him. The only time I faced him was in 2000 – I want to say 18 in the preseason. He was only out there for one drive when I was at Green Bay. So this is going to be this is going to be fun because he challenges you. You know, the combination of him, the offensive line, uh, I think the toughness of that whole team, that whole organization, starting with, you know, Vrabel, um, J-Rob, those guys, they've built a tough football team. You know, they built a real tough football team. You know, guys with big, good size, and it's, it's going to be football. Like, it's, it's, it's going to be fun to – to be a part of. I'm looking forward to it. And I heard the atmosphere down there is really good. Is that a mentality that has to be matched uh, from your from your guys? Well, you see it when you watch the tape. Their, their toughness jumps off the tape. And, you know, I, the little bit I know about Mike and the little bit I know about J-Rob, those are two tough guys. So, I mean, it's in the image of the leadership of the organization. So, I mean, we want to have a tough football team. You know, uh, Coach talked about it in his opening press conference. You know, tough, smart football team that performs well under pressure. So, it's going to be a challenge, and you know I'm looking forward to it. Coach, what do you see from Traylon Burks? I mean, just again, some explosion there. You know, explosiveness. Um, when they've when they've gone to him, he's been ready to go. You know, so you see that, and, and um, you know, you always expect young players to have a little. You know, you wonder how that's going to work out early on. But the speed is the one thing that shows up, and going down the field. You know, that's one thing that shows up definitely when you watch the tape. What is the uh, biggest challenge you're facing, Henry? What do you, what's the, what's the, the biggest thing? Tackling him. You know, tackling him is going to be a tough deal. I mean, this is a big man. I've, I've seen, like I said, I only saw him one time live and in person. He is a big man. You know, there's not there's not a lot of people on the planet that look like him. So the tackling is the number one thing. And then the relentlessness, you know, this, I mean, this is a back that could get the ball 25, 30 times in the game if – if you let him, you know, so, I mean, it's going to be relentless. He's going to keep coming at you. You know, I think back, I'm not comparing him to Marshawn Lynch, but I just remember Marshawn's the best I, I ever went against in terms of coaching and just how it would build throughout the game. You know, that third quarter was tough, man. It was tough, you know, because Marshawn was still going. And you see some of that, you know, some of the playoff games I've seen in the past with uh, Henry, they just keep building and they start wearing on you. So, you know, you got to be ready to tackle him. And you got to be ready to tackle him for four quarters. And understand it's not going to be a one-man show. You got It's going to be a whole bunch of guys that got to get to him. Uh, plus, they do a good job blocking. So, you know, it's, it's going to be tough. All right, that's Patrick Graham, defensive coordinator of the Raiders. A portion of his presser earlier today, Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry. Get a couple hats on him, tackle him. If you don't tackle him initially, if, he's, if he gets a clean break through the D-line and a linebacker doesn't wrap him, he's gone. He's just gone. He can take it to the house. He's probably really pissed off. He's 0-2. No one's talking about him. They're talking about everybody else around the league. He's coming. He's a wounded animal. He's going to be ready to go. And this is the coaching staff that the Raiders have, and they're good coaches. And they're 0-2, and you can tell. They want to win. Get that first one going. And turn the season around. Hopefully that happens in Nashville. Paul Gutierrez joins us next, the ESPN Insider.
which is play calling. I mean, playing and play calling go hand in hand. Um, you know, there's always going to be some plays out there as a player that you wish you had back. There's always going to be calls as a play caller that you wish you had back. Um, now is not the time. We've never done it. It's not going to be about one person. We got our asses kicked. Plain and simple. They outcoached us. They outplayed us. And, and that's the definition of it. And so we're going to get back to work and, and we're going to figure out a way to win a football game. Mike Vrabel, JT, back with you. Brought to you by our great friends at Remy Martin. Team up for excellence. Remy Martin with their room at the Raiders Tavern and Grill. The Botanist Gin taking over Vegas. When you get an opportunity, try something different. Go with the Botanist Gin as we welcome in Paul Gutierrez from ESPN, the Raiders insider. And, Paul, with all your years covering this team first as a fan, then covering it as a journalist, traveling, all the miles that you put in, how do you explain what happened in real time when you were looking at the second half unfold? Yeah, JT, thanks for having me. That, that in terms of recent memory, recent history covering this Raiders team, that was an all-timer. It, it was up there with the Fitz magic when he somehow completes that pass down uh, the Dolphins uh, in 2020 with, with seconds on the clock to beat the Raiders when Arden Key is ripping his head off. It's up there with uh, the final game in Oakland, really, when Derek Carr was inaccurately ruled out of bounds to stop the clock. Uh, that let the Jaguars come back and beat them and send the Raiders out of Oakland losers. And it goes back to 2011 to me, really, when, for some reason, uh, Rolando McLean is, is defending Megatron deep on a pass to let the Lions come back and beat the Raiders. You know, It's not tuck rule, it's not immaculate reception, but in terms of just the, the strangeness, how, how quickly it seemingly happened, it's like, no, 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 this isn't going to happen. Wow, that just happened. You know, I felt like Jack Buck. You can put Jack Buck when Kirk Gibson hit the home run in game one of the 88 World Series. I don't believe what I just saw. And that literally you could apply to any number of games, but especially to what happened on Sunday because the Raiders were in so much control and dominating that game in the first half. I got a couple of people tweeting me telling me it was my fault because I said the blowout was underway. I believe in karma, but I don't mm-hmm. think I had much to do with that. Yeah, I didn't have any. I don't play. I've never <laughs> played in a Raider game yet. I've never been a part of a win or a loss. But you would, you would think so if you listen to my show. And when it comes to yeah. Derek... You know, I've always played it right down the middle with Derek and, and give give fair analysis with him. And what I'm wondering now is that if I looked and I dissected the halves, not the quarters, the first half in L.A. was a struggle, 17-3. He missed Waller. The second half, he played well. The first half, he played his best half of the year, 20 nothing. And then the second half, with the game on the line and what he's paid to do, close out those games, he wasn't able to do it. And I wanted your analysis with his inability this year so far to run it, just take, I mean, I'm watching quarterbacks ball running all the time. I'm not asking him to be Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, but I need a little bit more because I think one first down, one first down on a third and six clearly wins that game against Arizona, and I just don't see him taking off in the pocket when there's a lot of duress. What are you seeing on tape? Yeah, you don't, you don't want uh, Josh Allen. You don't want uh, Kyler Murray, really. You want Derek Carr circa 2016 before mm. the, the broken ankle, really, uh, you know, who played with the much more daring that was out there. And that, that's not to criticize him. I mean, the injury was, was, was catastrophic for, for that team that year. I'm sure it played a lot of games with him. But what I'm seeing with Derek is, is you're right, this, the second half in L.A., the first half against the Cardinals, you put those two halves together, okay, this is what this offense is supposed to look like with Josh McDaniels at the helm calling the plays. The one thing, though, JT, that, that I, I kind of I didn't necessarily predict but wanted people to look out for is that every time, save for his first year, when he went from Greg Olson to Musgrave uh, as a play caller, 
his QBR has dipped significantly in his first year with the new play caller, going Mm -hmm. from Musgrave to Downing, Downing to Gruden, Gruden to Olsen last year. Right now, and again, small sample size, only two games, but his QBR right now, JT, is the lowest since his rookie year. So what is going on? Is the timing off? Is it a new system? Is he just not comfortable? I can't tell, but we're not, you know, for, for Hunter Renfro fumbling to, to, you know, and the game ending on that fumble, I can't believe that he wasn't picked off on that play, on that throw down the middle. He missed. Now, did he miss Devontae Adams down the middle? Did Devontae run the wrong pattern? Whatever it is, they were not on the same page, and that's what this whole offense is really built on was this chemistry between the two. Seeing Devontae bolt out of the locker room after the game, very upset, and, you know, he had family there watching him for the first time live in his career. Obviously, he's going to be upset, whether he's upset at himself, the loss, the play calling, what it's going to be. That just comes with the territory. So it's, it's, there's, they're just not very comfortable right now. And, again, a win at Tennessee fixes all that, right? Absolutely. Paul Gutierrez. So I'll see you in Nashville as I'm going on the trip, and I'm looking at what it's going to take to win because Tennessee was atrocious. But I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that because Arizona – might have been worse in their Kansas City loss, and the Raiders yeah. didn't beat them. So Tennessee is very desperate. I think Raider Nation would rather see Tennessee playing this poorly than Tennessee winning in Buffalo, which I didn't think they could do. Man, everything came apart, and Tannehill got benched, I just think, to protect them for the Raider game because there was no way they were going to come back when they pulled them last night. Vrabel was very animated in the game after the game last night. It feels like the Wolves are at the door, and they shouldn't be because he's had some really good teams there in Nashville. What do you see in your early prep for the Titans and what the Raiders need to do right? I'm seeing a team that that last year was the number one seed in the AFC, right? And if the Raiders score that touchdown at the end in Cincinnati and pull it out in overtime, I, I, I think... That's the playoff game we were going to see. Mm-hmm. So let's just let's just see that this is you know. And if you look at it, both of these teams being zero and two, zero and three is a pretty big hole to kind of climb out of. Maybe this is the playoff game that we were supposed to see last year because this could potentially be an elimination game again. Uh, yeah, overreaction Tuesday, sure, but uh, this is a huge game for both teams. And I'm actually kind of the other mind, JT. I think that if the Titans had won one of their first two, then they could kind of take their foot off the gas a little bit. This is desperation time for them. And from their perspective, at least they're at home. And, yeah, they still got Derrick Henry, too. He didn't look all that great the other night. But, um, you know, the Raiders, and if they can't get Denzel Perriman back there in the middle of that that, uh, defense, I mean, you're going to look at a long day trying to stop a load of a running back. And, uh, again, it would be more of the same for this Raider defense, which simply could not get off the field in the second half. Oh, Paul, the big thing for the Titans is they're one game back at Jacksonville, and it's Jacksonville. They're not one game or two games back at Kansas City and the Chargers. I mean, they're looking up at Indy, who's a mess. The Texans, who aren't very good at all with the ties both they have. And then Jacksonville, fortunately, Jacksonville for Tennessee is in 2-0. They're 1-1. So as I look at this, the Raiders are staring up at the Chargers, Kansas City, and Denver. And I just think a win against the Titans, however it is. I'm not predicting score, never has. Just get out of there with the win. The momentum in Vegas for the buildup of the first division game at Allegiant Stadium with that much pressure and the, and the struggles of Russell Wilson so far. Man, every Raider fan's looking for an opportunity, Paul, to get to 2-2 two and two before Kansas City. But that doesn't matter if you don't beat the Titans. Absolutely, and, and that's it's not, it. Almost not like you were you were going back into Raider of old. With is what, what what's that? It doesn't matter if how pretty a win looks. Just yeah. win, baby. You that's know, it. so if they can get this win, get some momentum going. The Broncos come in very beatable. Uh, you're two and two. All of a sudden, you're feeling good. And then I'm not going to say you're throwing away a game in Kansas City, but you know, Derek's only won once. 
in Kansas City. At least this game isn't in November or December when it usually is in Kansas City in the freezing cold there. So, you know, it all starts with one game. And, and as Matt Collins told us yesterday, uh, if you're still worried about what happened on Sunday, Monday at 5 p.m., then you got bigger issues. So we'll see how they react to it. Derek takes the podium tomorrow. Devontae's at the podium tomorrow. And, of course, they're going to try to flesh this thing and move forward. But there were some things that were cause for concern in that game. And if they keep flashing – um, in this game, then you're like, okay, what's really going on? But it, it's so early in the season, and uh, as we've said all along, winning is the ultimate deodorant. And, Paul, last one, dating back to your years at UNLV and the Rebels winning a championship. Put in perspective the Aces winning their championship, having a professional team parade here in yeah. a few hours and what it means to Mark Davis when he took over the team and now is the owner of this team and what this does for his Vegas legacy. Not his NFL legacy, but just in right. Vegas getting the team here and being able to host a parade. Yeah, it's, it's huge. It's, it's, a, it's To me, and there's so many – battles over how to accurately describe a WNBA championship, right? I mean, mm-hmm. the, the Aces themselves are calling it the first major professional team championship in Vegas history. Okay, the, you know, the UFL locos, uh, the, the, the silver streaks with Mark Wade and Freddie Banks, the, even the PCL stars and the dust devils of the CISL, they're in the dustbin of history now. But, but yeah, this is the most high-profile professional team championship. Uh, I don't know if and when anything can come close to UNLV winning a title when you put it in perspective of what this town was all about at that time. And, you know, you've got eight games completely sold out and everything revolved around that. And I will give Mark Davis credit for this, because when I spoke to him last week at the team hotel before the opener in L.A., we talked about the Aces and he told me on the record and I wrote it at the time was, uh, you know, you've seen a basketball championship in town here with Jerry Tarkanian and the UNLV Rebels. So maybe you'll see another. So he understands the history of it, even mm-hmm. if a lot of people in the local media don't. But that, to me, spoke volumes that he, he understood that there was, there was a path laid before. Yeah. And they're just taking that next step. And to have a parade, however long it is, I don't know if, if uh, Kyler Murray's scramble for the two-point conversion was longer than the actual parade route. doesn't matter. It's something to celebrate. And to these ladies, these professional women, they deserve sure. every bit of it. Thank you, Paul. See you in Nashville. Always appreciate you. Sounds good, JT. Take care. Uh, Paul Gutierrez, nice to have him on. Look, for Mark Davis, who's a friend, I'm happy for him. It's different. Winning a championship's better than being a runner-up, not winning. Again, could we see this happening? I thought it would happen with the Stanley Cup by now with Mr. Foley because the team has been loaded, and now they've taken a major step back. They're trying to do it. And look, for the Raiders, I didn't think the Raiders were a Super Bowl contender at any time since they've been here in Vegas, but I believe in the structure the structure of the football side of the building to get them to a point where they'll be a perennial playoff team. We all know that's what's going on, right? Forget about the 0-2 for a second. This was brought in after Gruden and Bisaccia because Gruden was brought in to do that. You know, I sat in Gruden's house. I talked about it with him. The program was set to first match Kansas City. Let's get the Kansas City thing figured out and match them and then take that out and build a perennial playoff team. It didn't work out. Some players did some bad things. The thing kind of fell apart. The emails, the lawsuit, we get that. Rich Passaccia did an outstanding job. Mark Davis had an opportunity to get Josh McDaniels. And the culture and the winning history of the Patriots with a young guy in Dave Ziegler, who they believe working together will get this right the way the Chiefs are doing it long term. Well, it's tough to look at that and for me to tell that to you when they're 0-2. But I know what they're trying to do. And I've seen other people try to do it. And Reggie McKenzie and Jack had a 12-win team. 
and seemed to be okay in the building, trying to build the team. That didn't work out. Then it moved on. We know what happened with Coach Gruden. So this is another reboot. Fans don't like reboots, but we're in 2022. And I think this gives the Raiders the best chance to have the business model on the football side of the building to be good and be very good so they can do what the Titans have done two years in a row, going 12-5. and five. Get in the dance. Get in the dance year after year after year in the playoffs. And it's got to be really buttoned up because you're going against Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes for 10 more years. 10 more years. So you got to, like, thread the needle. That's a term used in politics. Thread the needle. Everything's got to be good to win an election. Right? You're an underdog. You got to get the money. You got to win the primary. You got to get here. You got to win this. And then you got to thread the needle. It's hard. And we're really facing an uphill battle today, looking at this year, unless they beat the Titans. Did you ever think I'd be sitting here week three talking about a sense of urgency game? I didn't. But not my first rodeo, and we'll do it again. And hopefully this road trip gets the Raiders back on track. And if it doesn't, we'll be here next week. And we'll continue to push forward to see when this team's going to get a win. But they got a good opportunity to do it in Nashville and then build momentum for the home game against Denver. This was brought to you by Virgin Hotels. Love the theater and the concerts. This time, Hurts gives it off. And he runs with the football and keeps it and takes it across the five and rolls down to the two. And is he in? Yes! He is. Touchdown, Jalen Hurts. That's magic. A great fake to Sanders. And then he kept it and ran around the right end and took it 26 yards for a touchdown. Eagles Radio, you know Jalen Hurts is an MVP candidate now, according to the Vegas Sportsbooks. Unbelievable. Whether you need to feed the team or the crowd, Raising Canes has your game plan covered. Treat them and go out and support the official chicken fingers of UNLV Rebel Football. How about that? Raising Canes. God, my kids love Raising Canes. My kids drive now, and when if they're driving somewhere, I know they're driving to Canes. They're driving to Canes, and they're getting in the line, and they're going through there, and they're getting a Caniac. They're getting a box. They're doing something, and my sons walk through the house with their Canes. They love Canes. They just do fantastic official chicken fingers of UNLV football, and they're playing really well. Uh, let's go back to the game last night. Allen to Diggs was a big storyline. It's a great connection now in the NFL. Josh will take another shotgun snap. Takes, takes the handoff, going to throw it. Looks downfield, fires downfield, looking for Diggs inside the five. Dives for it, makes the catch, and it is caught. Touchdown, Buffalo. Josh Allen to Stephon Diggs. That's a good combination. They're really on the same page. Diggs had three touchdowns in the game. Now, remember, these are highlights against the Titans, who the Raiders play, coming up on Sunday, and the Titans muffed the punt. Martin's first punt is a Buffalo Bill. Gets it high. End over end. Phillips signals fair catch. Bounces off him. Loose ball rolling around in the 20-yard line. Let's see who's got it. No signal yet from the officials. The Bills say they have it. It is Buffalo ball. Now, I know Raider fans are looking for a linebacker on the Raiders for a pick six, right? A linebacker jumping the route, making a play. Well, the Bills did that against the Titans last night. Tannehill takes, looks, guns it, downfield, picked off, intercepted at the 45-yard line, picked off by Matt Milano, headed to the end zone, he is in! 
Touchdown, Buffalo! Matt Milano, touchdown, Buffalo! They are rolling him now! Uh, Bill's radio. So Vrabel, a couple bites after the game. You could tell that Vrabel was a former player. He looks like a player still. He goes to the press conference last night, not happy at all. I mean, we're going to rely on anybody that can help us win and that wants to come to work with an attitude of improving, meeting, and practicing. That, that's who we're going to rely on. And if that's the veterans, great. And if that's the young guys, great. But that's what we have to do. You know, we're going to have to come back, get ready, um, get practicing on Wednesday, get some rest as much as we can, and uh, prepare for, for another great opponent in this league. That, that's what it is. We've got explosive players. and. But we, we're going to rely on anybody that's willing to help us and come in with a great attitude. Yeah, you got to have a great attitude. That's an important point. It's the same thing with Josh McDaniels. See how positive Josh McDaniels is? Come on. He's the head coach of the team. They've played two games. They should have won one easily. He's not going to be Debbie Downer and bring the fan base and the organization down. But I asked Bobby to load this piece of sound from Jim Morris Sr., because I think it puts a lot of things in perspective when you're losing football games and you're desperate to get a win. You're looking for your first one. Well, what happened was that second game, we got our ass kicked, or the second half. We just got our ass totally kicked. We couldn't do diddly-poo offensively. We couldn't make a first down. We couldn't run the ball. We didn't try to run the ball. We couldn't complete a pass. We sucked. The second half, we sucked. We couldn't stop the run. Every time they got the ball, they went down and got points. We got our ass totally kicked in the second half. That's what it boiled down to. It was a horse performance in the second half. Horse I'm totally embarrassed and totally ashamed. Coaching, we're all, all, our coaching did a horrible job. The players did a horrible job. We got our ass kicked in that second half. It sucked. It stunk. Jim Morris Sr. That will, that will stay forever as one of the greatest second-half collapse coaching moments in NFL history. That's it. That's all I got. And Q's on deck. I just saw him in the hallway. He was down there for the press conferences. He's program director. He's radio host. And Q and I and Lincoln Kennedy are proud to announce our new Raiders podcast. We'll be doing it every week at the Raider facility. Lincoln Kennedy, Q and myself. And it won't be just the Raiders. We'll cover the Raiders, obviously, and we'll go around the league, focus on the AFC West. And that will be a weekly feature that we're going to start next week. So I'm looking forward to that. Another podcast, man. You're nothing unless you don't have four podcasts now in media. Got to have a few podcasts. I got a new podcast dropping with Looney. Wherever you get your podcast, JT and Looney are all the 0-2 teams. Unfortunately, the one in Vegas, too. Uh, that's coming out tonight.